Hey, New Life students, thanks for taking the time to listen into this message today. Hey, we've been in a series on the Lord's Prayer in the last few weeks. We've been walking through phrase by phrase, digging into who God is revealing himself to be through the Lord's Prayer. So here's what I want us to do. This would normally be the time where we would stand up and read it together and pray it together. But what I want you to do now is wherever you are, just take a moment and be still. Quiet your mind. Let your heart settle. Let the distractions fade away. And if you're in a place where you can do this, I want you to close your eyes and open your hands. And if you know the Lord's Prayer, I want you to pray it with me. And if you aren't familiar with it, then I want you just to listen to the words. But let's pray it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, I pray that your word would come through this message today for whoever's hearing it, whoever's listening. May these words pierce more than just our ears. May it pierce our souls. Would you show yourself, reveal yourself, glorify yourself in this word. And may these words that I share be pleasing to you. May it be an acceptable, worshipful offering to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. So the God statement that we're going with today is God forgives. It comes from that phrase of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're, We're zooming in, we're zoning in on the part that God forgives. What I love about the Lord's Prayer is that God's character is revealed all throughout the Lord's Prayer. Think about it. The prayer opens up with our Father who art in heaven. God is revealing himself as Father. And we say, hallowed be your name. We're we're saying that God is holy. Or we say, your kingdom come and your will be done. That's showing God as king. And on earth as it is in heaven, it's showing that God is sovereign. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. And that's our way of saying, God, you're my provider, my sustainer, my source. And then we come to this phrase of the prayer. Forgive us our trespasses. What this phrase implies is that God is the one who forgives us of our sins, of our trespasses. I want to define forgiveness. It's a word we actually use all the time in our everyday language that it's kind of easy to forget what it means. But the Greek word here, I'm going to use some Greek words for you. Uh, the, defining the word forgiveness, it's aphiami. Aphiami. That, that word simply means to send away or to send forth, to expire, to omit or to remit, to let go. And I love this last way of defining it, to give up a debt. If we were to zoom out for a second on the idea of forgiveness, we could really say and make an argument that the whole story of scripture is God revealing himself as forgiver. Let's think about it in the lens of a debt, a debt that was paid or needed to be paid. We look at it in Genesis 1 where God creates uh, the heavens and the earth. He creates mankind and no more than a couple chapters into the story, humanity sins. We, we buy into the lie of the devil and we create a debt. We didn't hold up what God asked us 
to do. We were disobedient. And in so doing, we created a debt, a debt that needed to be paid. There was a gap. There was a debt between the holiness of God and the imperfection of humanity. And then you can look at the rest of the Old Testament, and it's humanity's best attempt at trying to fill in the gap, fill in the debt, to pay the debt. And it all goes horribly wrong. We see it in Abraham who tries to take a shortcut with God's promise. We see it with Israel when they're out in the wilderness. Even after God parts the Red Sea, they still refuse to trust him and it leads to complaining and, and idolatry. We see it even in men like David, a man after God's own heart, but even he commits murder and adultery. You can just say throughout the whole Old Testament in the time of the kings and the prophets and the judges, sin is running rampant and that's showing us that there is a debt that needs to be paid. But then we turn the page to the New Testament and Jesus comes on the scene. And he not only is fully God, fully man, living a perfect and sinless life, but Jesus, he pays the debt with his own life. But think about the the beauty of this story that Jesus, the one wronged, is the one paying the debt. It wasn't the guilty ones paying the debt and finally paying back God what, what, what God was worthy of, but it was actually God saying, I will fill the debt with myself. And he gives us his son, Jesus. And then if you think about it, the rest of the New Testament, then is the church living out that reality. And it's Paul's letters and the epistles teaching us what does it mean to live forgiven and free. The whole story of scripture is God revealing himself as forgiver. And that's shown in this prayer. Now, my guess is that most of us know in our minds, we understand the concept that God forgives. But my question for you as you're listening today is, I wonder if you and I believe that from our heart, from our guts. Do we believe it? And then do we receive the forgiveness of God? Because here's the thing. Many of us know that God forgives, yet we still find ourselves living in the reality of sin. I know that God has forgiven me, yet I still sin all the time. And so do you. And, and, and if I think about it, I know that God forgives, yet I still find myself dealing with shame and guilt from the wrong things that I have done. And for many of us listening to this, maybe we've even experienced pain and trauma from wounds that others have given to us. You and I have all have different lives and testimonies and stories and people have wounded us. They've wronged us. And so how do we live in the reality of God's forgiveness when there's sin and there's shame and there's wounding going on all around us every day? And I want to ask this one simple question for this message. What are the implications of God's forgiveness? Why does God's forgiveness matter? Does it just mean we get to have eternal life one day? I want to suggest that there are two main things that the prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There actually are two invitations I want us to um, listen to and wrestle with. Um, from this message. So here's the first one, the first implication of God's forgiveness. One, we are invited into dependence on Christ. You and I, we are invited into dependence on Christ. I'm talking about being forgiven. You see, forgiveness is not God's way of lowering the standard. When you think about it, I think sometimes we get the false idea that the Old Testament is God just having a super high standard, but Jesus kind of comes and makes it easier for us. And Jesus just kind of comes with a more graceful message, but that's actually not true. If you look at Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, all of that, Jesus 
is actually raising the standard. Jesus is actually saying, no, there is a real standard and I'm raising it. In fact, even in the at the end of Matthew 5, Jesus says uh, verbatim, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus goes on to say, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not inherit eternal life. Jesus has no interest in lowering the standard of God's holiness. What we have to see from Jesus is that there was a real standard and we as broken humanity were unable to meet it. You and I's best efforts and best attempts can't meet the standard that God and his son were showing us. But that's the beauty of Jesus. That's why it was beautiful that Jesus came and he lived the perfect and sinless life and he died in our place. He paid the debt that we couldn't pay. And that is the beauty and the tension of forgiveness. The beauty of forgiveness is that we didn't earn it. For some of us, that's an amazing, liberating truth. The beauty of forgiveness is that we didn't earn it. But for some of us, that's actually a really difficult thing to grasp because we love earning what we get. We live in a society where it's all about earning what you get. If you work this many hours, you get this much paid. If you work this hard, this is what you'll get out of it. You get in what you, or you get out what you put in, right? We hear that all the time. But the beauty of forgiveness is that we didn't earn it. I think about Romans 5. Romans 5 talks about this in in verses 6 through 8. Paul writes, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, if you're listening to this today, I want you to hear that the beautiful aspect of the forgiveness of God is that it's not dependent on us earning it. It is a gift freely given. Ephesians 2 talks about this, that it's by grace we have been saved through faith, not because of our works so that we can't boast. You and I's pardon, you and I's forgiveness causes us to be dependent on Christ because we can't earn our own forgiveness. And here's the devil's strategy. The devil's strategy is to to look at this reality of God and and try to lie to us by saying, you know, God forgives. No, God is definitely going to forgive. It's just you'll have to perform for it. You'll have to earn it. If you can just earn it, then God will forgive you. But that is the beauty of what the New Testament is telling us all about that. Romans 8 even talks about how there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ and what we were unable to do, what the law was unable to do, Christ did on our behalf. Friends, you need to hear this and receive this today. You are not responsible for earning the forgiveness of God. God is the one who forgives. And this is hard. This is hard for me. I remember growing up as a kid, always feeling like I needed to to prove myself. If I did something wrong, if I wronged my sibling, if I said something wrong to my parents, I felt like I had to be on good behavior for a while to kind of get their love back or to get their, their trust back and to get their forgiveness back. But that's not how our God works. Our God doesn't make us perform to earn forgiveness. He just gives it freely away. And the beauty of the gospel, my friends, is that we will never graduate from dependence on God's 
forgiveness. Let that be liberating for you today. The beauty of the gospel is that we will never graduate from dependence on God's forgiveness. So may you know as you pray that prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That prayer is saying, God, I am dependent on you. I need you to forgive me. I'm not going to be able to earn it. I'm not going to be able to perform for it. I depend on Christ fully for my salvation, for my forgiveness, for my pardon, for the sins I have committed, friends. We are invited into dependence on Christ. And secondly, we are invited into imitation of Christ. Now I'm talking about forgiving others. The first part of the prayer, forgive us our trespasses, is an invitation into dependence on Christ. And now as we forgive those who trespass against us, now we're invited into imitation of Christ. You see, this prayer takes a bit of a pivot, right? We're saying, forgive us as we forgive. It's one of the most uncomfortable passages of scripture, but Jesus, after he um, teaches the disciples how to pray this prayer, in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. This is a heavy text. This is a heavy verse to read, but we have to wrestle with it. We have to wrestle with it and see what is Jesus going after? Is, is God's uh, forgiveness conditionary? Is it, is it conditional? Is it based on what we do? I think Jesus is getting at something a little bit deeper here. And this is what I think Jesus is challenging us in. Is it's the fact that our forgiveness towards others is a direct reflection of our view of God and the gospel. I'll say it again. Our forgiveness towards others is a direct reflection of our view of God and the gospel. At the end of the day, withholding forgiveness, when I hold unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment towards my brothers and sisters, that's ultimately my desperate attempt to be God. And it's proof that I haven't fully grasped the forgiveness I have received. Let me tell it a different way. Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew 18. He tells a story. He tells a story that I want us to pay attention to. So it's Matthew 18, verse 23. So listen to this story from Jesus. He tells us this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. There's that debt language again. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the, other, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back 
all he owed. And Jesus ends the story with this statement. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, I know this is difficult to hear. It's difficult to receive this. But we have to, we have to come to grips with the fact that our way of forgiveness is a gospel issue. What Jesus is saying here is that there was a servant who owed the master a debt that he was unable to pay, but the master shows pity on him and he pays the debt. It's done, it's taken. But then that same servant who has just shown mercy has an opportunity to show mercy to another and he refuses to. What that shows us is that this servant forgot. He had forgotten that he was first shown mercy. For if he had remembered, if he had fully received the mercy and the forgiveness he was given, he would have been generous with the other. And it's more than just a Bible story. This is our life. This is what Jesus is inviting us into, is that you and I have been outrageously, extravagantly forgiven. But now Jesus is asking us to extend that same forgiveness to others. Our way of forgiveness, brothers and sisters, is a gospel issue. It's not a minor thing. This is a big deal. It's a gospel issue. At the end of the day, forgiven people forgive. We probably have heard that phrase said another way where hurt people hurt people. Well, in the same way, forgiven people forgive. Those who have recognized, no, God, you have forgiven me, are the ones who extend forgiveness to others. It's me saying to the person who has wronged me, I didn't earn my forgiveness from God, so I'm not expecting you to earn my forgiveness. That's what it looks like. Now, I want to be really clear in this. Forgiveness is not making light of sin or evil that is done to us. It's not making light of the things that have happened. I never want us to think that forgiveness means, oh, we just forget about it. It doesn't matter anymore. That doesn't affect me anymore. No, no, no. Forgiveness is so much weightier than that. It's not making light of sin and evil. For those of you who have been hurt and abused and things have been said or done to you that have hurt you, I want you to know that I am so sorry that's taken place. And I encourage you to find someone to help you in the journey of forgiveness. And I want you to know forgiveness, the invitation into imitation of Christ, is not an invitation to make light of sin and wrong and evil. Rather, forgiveness is our way of saying, Jesus, you paid that debt. And I'm not going to make them earn my forgiveness because I didn't earn your forgiveness. Once again, to use that me language, it's, it's to let go. It's to say, I'm going to let go of resentment. Because here's the thing that I know about forgiven people. Forgiven people don't just forgive, but they live freely. You see, resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, it creates a burden, a picture, a backpack. And, And every time we choose not to forgive someone or to hold bitterness or resentment towards others, it's like a weight in a backpack that we can't get rid of. We've we've heard the phrase, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Those who forgive others are the ones who live freely. Forgiven people forgive and forgiven people live freely. Why? Because it's an imitation of what Christ did. At the end, at the end of all things, our forgiveness towards others is ultimately following the example of Christ. Think about it. Forgiveness is not making light of sin and evil because when Christ hung on that cross, when Jesus was bearing the weight of our sin and our shame and our guilt, our debt, he looks at the ones who have crucified him and he says, Father, 
forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If Jesus can say that on the cross when he was completely innocent, when he had done nothing to deserve the punishment he was receiving, the death that he was about to die, Jesus was completely innocent, yet he is pleading for the Father to forgive us. At the end of the day, brothers and sisters, I'm not asking you to just try harder to forgive. I'm asking you to allow Christ to help you imitate him. As we receive forgiveness from God, one, we are invited into dependence on Christ, and two, we are invited into imitation of Christ. This is all about Jesus. So as we wrap up today, I want you to know that God is inviting you into freedom today. As you're listening to this message, God is inviting you into freedom. Freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from sin, and freedom from unforgiveness. As I pray this prayer of confession over you that we pray a lot of times on Wednesday nights, I want you just to listen to it. Listen to the words, and then I want you to repeat the words back, every phrase that I say. And the reason why is because this is our way of saying, God, forgive me of my trespasses, as in I'm saying, Christ, I depend on you for my forgiveness and my salvation, but it's also empowering us to forgive others and imitate Christ. And so if you are ready to be free from shame, free from guilt, free from sin, if you want to start the process of forgiveness towards someone else, then I want you to pray these words after me. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry. I humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, Have mercy on me. Forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your way to the glory of your name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as you finish this message, I want to say thank you for listening. My encouragement for you, one, is to take some time to reflect on how good God has been to forgive you And secondly, if there's anyone in your life that you need to forgive, that you need to let go of, then I encourage you to find someone to help you with that process. Find a mentor, find a pastor, find someone who will help you forgive that person. Forgiveness a lot of times is a journey, but may you know that God who has forgiven you will empower you to forgive those who have wronged you for those who have hurt you. And may you know that Christ is inviting you into dependence and imitation of him. Love you, friends, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Grace, mercy, and peace.